Hey, so glad to have you here at Cape Christian. Um, welcome back to our CrossFit series. We are in week three uh, of four of our CrossFit series, and we, we chose CrossFit for a few reasons. CrossFit um, is, is a kind of a, a newer workout regimen, but it really focuses on whole body health, uh, balance, and, and one of the cool things about CrossFit is it meets you right where you're at and helps you become the best version of yourself, and um, you can really accomplish any goal if you get the right coaching, and so we're looking at that, and then we're paralleling that to kind of the foundations and fundamentals of our spiritual growth and our spiritual journey as well. Um, and kind of the, what gave us the inspiration for CrossFit was if, you, if you're in the CrossFit world, uh, the, the workouts are all about the workout of the day or the wad. And so we've been fortunate enough to have Coach Eric with us every week come up and give us a little bit of health and nutrition and give us some stuff that we can do on our own at home. And so um, you got a week off last week. You got two weeks to do that three-minute burpee challenge. Uh, but it's time to get challenged again. Who's ready for Coach Eric? Let's have Coach Eric come on up again. Coach Eric. Um, Yes. Thanks, boss, for being here. Okay, so uh, we, it's been a couple weeks. Um, why don't you remind us where we've been and then what do you got for us this week? Let's, I know it's, we're talking nutrition. We're talking exercise. Give it to us. Well, I think we need to start off with what our expectations were. Perfect. 1% better, right? You guys got that? 1%? Can you say 1%? 1%. Thank you very much. Holla back. Holla back. All right. So, yeah, like week one, we talked about nutrition is 70% of your health journey, which we feel... Is got has to be focused on the most. And what did we say week one? It was just pay attention to what you're putting in. Week two, it was my fitness pal, right? Just download that and just track what you eat. And I'm sure you guys have been awesome over the last 14 days getting everything you eat and drink in there. No, again, 1% better is downloading the app and now finally using it. Now this week, we want to talk about how many calories do you actually need? So this is a calculation that a lot of people will get wrong because we look at maintaining or losing weight is this major deficit. You gotta go on the diet and it's not something that you're gonna be comfortable with. It's really understanding that you need a abundance of calories, believe it or not, and that calculation, there's that MyFitnessPal, I gotta love it, is 10 times your goal body weight. So if I'm 200 pounds, I'd be 2,000 2, calories. 180, 1,800 calories. That is a minimum, not a maximum. Too often people will see that calculation and go, okay, well if I eat 500 or 1,000 less than that, I'm gonna lose weight way faster. Well, hallelujah, praise Jesus. You need to eat more to lose weight. Woo, yeah. yeah. Give it up. So that is a minimum. And again, it varies based off your activity level. But that 10 multiplier is just if you are just starting to work out and you want to ha you have a certain weight goal or you want to maintain it and be healthy, it's just 10 times. So if we were already tracking our calories now, we can kind of make goals based on where we're at. That's it. That 1% this week is just pay attention. How close you do that 10 multiplier. And if you're super active, that's going to be 12 or 14. You know, you have a physical job, that's going to be a different. But that 10, how many days are you hitting that 10 time multiplier? And my guess is for, if some of you started tracking calories like I did, you, you'll find, uh, maybe surprised how quick that number goes up depending on certain things you eat or drink. Oh, Jesus, I love orange juice. Um, so that's nutrition, fitness. We got a special surprise. All right. Yeah, we're going to bring it up. So we had some feedback with Corey, and we know he's got jeans on this week, so we want to welcome up Mariana. We have a special guest there. workout Give CrossFit expert. Welcome, welcome my friend. Marianne goes to our gym, and uh, there are just certain things maybe a pastor shouldn't do in jeans. And so, uh, Marianne, thanks for being here. I'm going to turn it over to you guys. All right, so we're going to uh, have uh, Pastor Corey come over yep. and counterbalance our, our rig here because we have what we just want to do is give you guys a little upper body, a little core, a little lower body like we started out with. How are those burpees, right? It's all of those in one. 
So this is gonna be ring rows. And if you don't have a set of rings in your living room, you definitely gotta talk to an interior decorator. This is something that is an accessory everybody should have. But we have an alternate if you don't have them. But you're gonna see that she has straight arms. She's going all the way back, pulling herself all the way up. And you're gonna see through the 60 or 70 reps that she does that she is <laughs> tight in that core area, tight hips, so it allows that core stability throughout. Now, if you're as strong as Marianne or maybe Pastor Corey, you're stepping those feet forward and you're gonna add more resistance. Let's give it up for those ring rows. Yeah. Thank you so much. Now, if you don't have this beautiful set of rings hanging from your living room, you can simply take a bed sheet, tie a knot in the corner of it, throw it over the door, shut the door, and you've got your rows. Look at that, free equipment at your house, right? Yeah. So you're just going to pay attention. The closer you are to that door and you lean back, you're gonna get more resistance. Step further back and just see where it is. You wanna be in that 10 to 12 rep range. And if you slow those reps down, you're getting more pulling strength as well as more core stability strength. Now going into the lower body. So you're saying, so that's for upper body and core? Upper body and core. Okay, cool. Thank you for checking, appreciate that. <laughs> so we're gonna go into squatting like we did in week one. So we talked about your air squat and it was to a chair or to a couch. Obviously, she's advanced, she's gonna go, I'm going air squats. Now we're gonna add something to it called plyometrics. What's the translation in Latin? Means it makes it a lot worse. <laughs> so you're gonna see she's jumping, but like a little angel, she's landing nice and soft. You hear that? Nothing, you're good. You don't have to do 100 of them. So those are jumps. So whether you're sitting on your couch and you're standing up fast, or you're doing this and you're jumping, or you're holding a small child and squatting and jumping, it's all the same, and this is a time domain exercise, not reps. So we just want you to do that for about 30 seconds or a minute, it's gonna spike your heart rate up, then you're gonna walk it off, get your breath back, do 10 to 12 of your rows, and then walk that off, go back in there, do that three to five times, and again, 1% better this week is just doing it once, right? And trying that out, even if you get one set done, like this is not for me, you, that was that 1%. What do you think? I love it, so you're gonna give it, we're gonna do some upper body core, we're gonna do those like 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off, right. get our heart rate up, get that cardio in. Exactly. Awesome, let's get 10 one times body 10 weight. 10 times body weight on the calories. calories. We're gonna get 1% better this week. 1%. Marianne, Coach Eric, everybody, give it up for them. Thank you, Marianne. Some of you were like, oh, the squats were hard enough. Wait till we add the jumps. Awesome. I can't wait. We've saved the, the best, most fun, hardest workout for next weekend. Uh, week four CrossFit coach Eric. So you guys, uh, we are going to dive right in, but I want to remind us where we've been. We took a week off last week for our vision week. And so each week, as I mentioned, is going to build on itself. And really what we're doing for the messages, we're taking a word, a church word, a really important principle. It's not necessarily a word that you need to know, but the meaning and the principle. And as we build on this with our spiritual journey, we are going to become the fully mature, we are gonna grow our spirituality, just like if we add what Coach Eric has given us, it's gonna help us physically. And so first week, our word, anybody remember what the wad, the word of the week was for the first week? Salvation. And salvation, we talked about how salvation isn't about just getting to heaven, but it's experiencing all of heaven has for us here and now. It's turning our life over and trusting that God's way is the best way that he's gonna run our, our, our life, not us. That's salvation. Then the week after that, we talked about a big church word called sanctification. Sanctification is the process 
of renewing our hearts, renewing our minds. The Bible says it this way, when, when anyone who's in Christ, the old is gone and the new has come, uh, at salvation, you get a new spirit, which is awesome. But then there's this sanctification process on which we still have some old habits and old quirks and old isms and some maybe some pain from our past and behaviors that through the power of the Holy Spirit, he's going to help us walk out of a bad lifestyle and, and into more of what he has um, we used the wedding analogy those first couple weeks. We said, salvation is like the wedding. It's I do. And then sanctification is like the marriage. It's continuing to do the right things, to build the relationship, to, to grow the relationship and, and maintain the relationship. And so those two are so important. And then this week, what I want to talk about, the week, the word this week is absolutely essential. It is key if you're going to experience the sanctification process. There's a key component to sanctification that will be regular, it will be ongoing, it's like regular fitness that you have to have. And it's a word that I think probably we've heard before. It's not so much a churchy word, but I think it has been misunderstood or even maybe out of context at times. And I hope to bring a lot of simplistic clarity to it this weekend. So I'm gonna say a very brief prayer and then we're gonna dive into the word if that's cool with any of you. Okay, great. Um, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would make your word come alive. Jesus, I pray that you would just make this make sense to us. Um, if there's any um, um, learning, I pray you, that we need help us to learn. If there's any deconstructing, help us to deconstruct. Uh, but I pray, God, that you would make this, this journey and this relationship with you as beautiful as it truly is and make it make sense to us in a way that we understand. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So our word this week, the wad of the series for CrossFit is the word conviction. Say it with me. Conviction. Now say it with some conviction. Conviction. Ha ha. I got, I'll be here all week. Um, so conviction um, is an interesting word because you see it throughout the Bible. It's, it's a word we use in, in common language. But the, the, we're going to talk about a specific type of conviction that helps us become the fullest version of who God made us to be again. If you commit to CrossFit, you will be healthy physically. If you commit to all that God has for you, he will and wants to make you the best and healthiest version of yourself. It's what he's up to. It's what he's about. It's why I love following him. And, and if I continue to remind you that whatever God, whatever plans you have for your life or whatever you're thinking of, God's is better. God has better for you than you can come up with. The Bible even talks about this. And so conviction is so important for us to pay attention to as we go through this journey and this process of becoming the fullest or best or healthiest version of ourselves spiritually. The best way I could give you a description of the word conviction, what conviction is not is it's not condemnation. Conviction is not guilt. Conviction is not conscience. Conviction is not shame. If you go back to the original Hebrew, and I'm not going to teach you the word, but I'll give you the Hebrew. We're going to learn two Hebrew words next week, um, so we'll save it. Uh, but the original, the, the simplest word association with the word conviction is literally the word convinced. It's literally to become convinced. So God's goal, his role in your life is he wants to regularly speak to you and do some convincing. And that he's going to do that through this process called conviction. Um, it's, it's to be convinced of the truth or even to be convinced of a better way. It's literally what the definition, and so God, as he speaks to us, he wants to regularly convict us. How many of you ever heard of this? God wants to convict us. I heard this a lot growing up, and, and as I've learned it, it's been so helpful that God, when he convicts me, he's literally just trying to coach me. 
He's trying to convince me that maybe there's a better way. And so conviction is simply God convincing us of a better way. And conviction, as I mentioned, is the key to the sanctification process. As we mentioned, um, which, by the way, I haven't said, hey, what's up to all of our online community? We love you guys. I hope you're well as well. So conviction is key to the sanctification process. If you want to become the best version of yourself, if you are willing to embrace the process of sanctification, it will require regular ongoing conviction. Now, that can be good news if you understand God to be a good God and a good coach and want what's best for you, but it can be hard to grasp if you have a picture of God as this angry stepfather type who's always ready to just strike you with lightning and make you feel stupid for every mistake you make and you ought to know better and how dare you. And a lot of us probably have that picture of God. He's not that way at all, but that's our picture. And so I wanna make this, I think, something in the next few minutes by the time we're done with this that we would all go, oh, I want that in my life. And so conviction, simply, when you say, oh, you know, you'll hear somebody say, oh, I was convicted of this. I was convicted of this. I'll tell you this. The Holy Spirit convicts me all the time. All the time, I do things not awesome. All the time. And he convinces me there was a better tone to use in that situation. There was a better action to have reacted that way. There is a better habit. There is a better coping mechanism. There's a better way to deal with grief. There's a better day, way to deal with anger. There's a better way to treat your wife. There's a better way to be selfless. There, like the Holy Spirit regular convicts me. And it's not like this, you stink again, son. It's like, hey, I, I call it the hey voice in my heart. Hey, like when I overreact, this happened two days ago. Um, I was uh, two or three days ago. I was playing a card game with my daughter. She's 10. And she was, we were playing and she accidentally put the, um, the wrong um, card. She put the, the discard on the, on the pull pile. Um, and, and rather than I'm like, oh, that goes here. I'm like, hey, why did you put that there? And I, it wasn't a big deal, but I, I, I caught myself using a tone. I'm like, why in the world did I use that tone for a 10-year-old to put a card in the wrong place? And immediately there was this, hey, I'm like, hey, you didn't need to talk to her that way. And I kind of had to run out, run to the, ba- uh, the bedroom, change and leave. But I, it bothered me all day. There was this, hey, there's a better way to talk to your daughter. And I came home, one of the first things I did, we sat down to dinner, I said, hey, Madison, you know this morning when we were playing cards before I went to work? She goes, yeah. I said, remember how I reacted when you put that card on? She goes, yeah. I said, I'm really sorry. I wish I wouldn't have used that tone. Um, that you, what you did didn't warrant that, rea- warrant that reaction. I just want you to know that I'm really sorry. She goes, oh, thank you for saying that. She goes, I haven't really thought about it all day. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like well, I'm glad you didn't, but I have. And I'm so glad there's a hey voice in my heart and in my mind going, hey, don't talk to your daughter that way. Hey, you don't need to get that angry in traffic. I'm like, well, maybe, but no. <laughs> That's what I call it. And so how does this happen? It happens a couple ways. So the, the key component to conviction is, is by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God on earth inside of us. The, the simplest way to describe this is the Holy Spirit was the Spirit of God. It was the Spirit that Jesus operated in. And, and Jesus, when we say yes to following him, he says, now our bodies are now temples of the Holy Spirit. And it says he dwells inside of us. And so the Holy Spirit, if we are tuning into the right frequency, is regularly talking to us and trying to convince us of the best way in every situation. If you don't understand anything I just told you, here's what I just said. If you have Jesus in your life, you actually have the best coach of all time constantly coaching you on everything. That's really good news for the best way. And he's going to do it in a loving, convincing way. And so um, it happens through the Holy Spirit. In fact, I want to show you, Jesus is the one who described this. Jesus is telling his disciples, I'm about ready to leave. And he says something really crazy. He's like, it's actually better if I leave. Could you imagine following Jesus, watching him do everything he did for three years? And he goes, guys, you know, it's a better idea than this, me being gone. I would be like, Jesus, you're crazy. 
But he says, it's better that I go because he says, watch what's going to happen when I leave. In John 16, he says, nevertheless, he's like, I know you disagree with this, but listen, he goes, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go to heaven, that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. That word helper is the Holy Spirit. Throughout the New Testament, you see it uh, called the counselor, the advocate. It's the, it's the Hebrew or Greek word paraclete. It's always the same one. It's the Holy Spirit. It is the Spirit of God. He's saying, if I go, the same Spirit that is empowering me to do this, I'm actually going to infuse it into you. That's good news. And he's saying, this is what's going to happen. And then he goes on, he says, and here's what he's going to do. And when he comes, he will convict. He's going to convict. We're going to talk about this real briefly. The world concerning, that word concerning, not of, concerning, sin and righteousness and judgment. He says, it's better if I go, because the same spirit that's making me awesome wants to make you awesome. And his job is literally to convince you of how to be awesome. And this is the spirit you receive when you say, it's no longer I that live, but Christ in me. God, I'm not going to call the shots. You're the Lord of my life. To me, it's why this is so appealing and compelling to me, this story. So, and so we see this often. And then one of the most key tools that the Holy Spirit uses, just really quickly, how do we get convicted, is that he will use the words of the Bible, the words of God, to convince us. He's to convince us of the truth. Well, how do I know what's true? I have to build a reservoir of truth. And that's why I read and study the Bible. I do not read and study the Bible because I'm a pastor. I read and study the Bible because I'm a follower of Jesus. And I need a reservoir of truth for the convincer to draw from, to remind me that when I get out of line every day, he's like, there's a better way, there's a better way, there's a better way. And so the Bible, that's why the Bible says this in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for instruction and conviction and correction and training in righteousness, uh, uh, verse 17, so that the man or woman of God may be complete, fully equipped for every good work. What a great CrossFit scripture. The Bible is given to us to equip us to be the healthiest, fullest version of ourselves. And when you combine the word of God and the Holy Spirit, you have this regular frequency going, let's be the best. Let's be the best. Here's how we be the best. Oops. Hey, 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 hey. And if you are as dysfunctional as I am, it's like that. Hey, 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 hey. And at what, what maybe at one point was kind of maybe a little bit annoying, once you realize that those hey voices help you be better and keep you out of a whole lot of trouble, you're like, give me all the hey's you got. This is what conviction is. So the Holy Spirit's role is to play is counselor, comforter, advocate, helper, teacher. Like, sign me up. Sign me up. I want in on that. And so all that to say, how, how can I help you to understand this is the simplest version of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is literally like the best coach ever. When you think of the Holy Spirit, when I want for the rest of your life, when you think of the, I want you to think of CrossFit and I want you to think of, of the best coach ever. The coach that's gonna help you do all the right things, all the right ways to help you be the best version of yourself. And so you may as well let him coach you. Now, here's the thing, you have free will, so you don't have to. But if you let him into your life, he's going to give you input on stuff and you're going to have one of two choices to either get really good at trusting and listening to him or you're gonna have to start to tune him out. And that's what cart starts some bitterness and creating our hearts to get hard. And so think about this for a minute. Think about this in the sense of Coach Eric, uh, CrossFit, uh, pick, pick a sport, pick a, uh, maybe an art, a, a theater or dance or, or music or whatever. A good coach doesn't just see you for what you are, but they see the potential that's in you, amen? And then a good coach doesn't diminish your courage. They build it up. 
They don't just let you stay where you are. A good coach doesn't discourage you. A good coach encourages you. I'm looking at a bunch of coaches in the room. Your job is, you may have to say a hard truth once in a while, but it's only for the benefit of the person listening so that you can bring the very best out of them. Did you know that the God of the universe created you, loves you, and all he really wants is to bring the best out of you in every moment? And that's what this sanctification journey is. That's what a good coach, a good coach always pushes you a little bit further. A good coach helps you take the next step. And, and the Holy Spirit is the same spirit of Jesus himself, and he wants to be your coach in life. And he's the best life coach ever. I'll give you a really practical uh, example for, from CrossFit. I told you that um, I started a few months ago. I'm not great at it. Um, I, in fact, I'm, I'm bad at all of it. I didn't even finish the workout on Friday. Um, and, uh, and so we're, I'm re getting introduced to some new lifts, and I'm getting reintroduced to some lifts I learned in high school. And I'm learning that my well-meaning PE teachers didn't always teach us the best stuff. And so one of the things we're doing is back squats. That's where you put a bunch of weight on, on the barbell and you go down. And we were always taught feet to toes forward, knees forward. That's wrong. <laughs> if you're watching on the internet, stop it, PE teachers. You're supposed to have your feet out and you're supposed to have your knees out because you can get lower and you can get wider and you get, it's safer. You're going to not hurt yourself. You're going to explode. You're going to not explode. Uh, and so every time we do squats, I am constantly being coached in our gym, aren't I coach? Like, all I ever hear these guys say is, knees out, devil, knees out, knees out, knees out, knees out. Why are they doing that? Because they want me to be able to lift more weight, do squats again tomorrow, and they want me to not hurt myself. And if I put my knees in, I can blow a knee, I can blow my quad muscle, there's all kinds of stuff. And when they educated me with the right way, so now I'm working on knees out, and, and I get really, really frustrated, and it's really annoying, and I hate it. And it happens every week. But, I, but I'm listening. Why? Because I understand I'm trusting my coach that he wants what's best for me. And they're trying to convince me of the best, healthiest way. It is the same thing with the Holy Spirit. And sometimes I feel stupid. I'm like, how did I do squats through high school and college? And I get it this wrong. And how? And, and, and I mean, it doesn't help that I took two decades off of squats either. Like, that's probably not helpful because <laughs> it's just not as fun. But that's what he does. And so this is what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to convict. He wants to convince you of a better way. I want to jump back into this scripture that we saw uh, from John um, right here uh, in John chapter 16. I want to point out these three things really quick because I think it's really important for some of you. This is the one I've been looking forward to the most because this is going to help some of us, I think, big time on our relationship with God. And it's going to maybe free some of us. Because I don't know, I, I, we could say it every week, but so many of us, we just have this picture of God with the bat going like, got him again, you messed up girl. And, and he's just, <laughs> if we really think he's as big and powerful as he is, and he is that angry, you wouldn't have made it this far. <laughs> think it over. You'd have got hit with lightning years ago. The first time you stepped into a church, it'd have been like, it'd have been like, it'd have been like bugs that are like a, so we got to get that picture out and a loving God who will always love and meet you where you're at and go, and I want to help you get better. But God, what if I never do? I'll never stop loving you, but I want to help you. But what if I don't? Okay. I'll never stop loving you. But just like there's certain things we do that hurt ourselves in our health journey, we do, there's things we do that hurt ourselves in our spiritual journey. So the Holy Spirit wants to help us with that. So I want you to show you this. He says, when it comes, he will convict the world, convict us concerning. He's going to convince you concerning. It doesn't say convict you of, because the connotation of convict you of is make you feel terrible for. But he's going to convince us concerning sin, righteousness, and justice, judgment. And it's really fascinating, by the way, words of Jesus here, what he says. Watch this, verse 9. He says, about sin, because people don't believe in me. Well, that's interesting. 
The convincing that Jesus wants to do in your life is not that you are a horrible person because you blow it, but that when you blow it, you need a savior and the best thing for you is to believe in him. That's his convincing. His convincing isn't you're horrible, it's you need me. In fact, it's, he's talking about unbelief here, which is fascinating because the Holy Spirit doesn't walk through the rooms of our heart and go, wow, what a mess, what a mess. Uh, 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 hi, I can't even believe I live here. That's funny when you think about it. Think of it like, where, where, where does the Holy Spirit live? It's all gross in there. I know. No, his job is to be like, hey, let's clean this up. All sins have already been forgiven. Jesus forgave all sins at the cross. Now, forgiveness has not been received for all sins, but it's offered. We have to pick it up. So what if, and I would contend this is true, that the only sin that actually condemns mankind, not that we're guilty of, but it condemns us, is actually the sin of unbelief. And when we get that resolved, all the other stuff starts to work itself out. We're like, well, what about this? And, and I, this is the problem with religion. Well, you don't tithe and you cuss too much and you drink too much. You're like, yeah, 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 yeah. But if you would get the Jesus thing figured out and let the Holy Spirit into the rooms, like he'll take care of that stuff. So let's let Jesus be Jesus and let's love each other. And, let's, and so really what's Jesus interested in? He's like, you know, it's like, well, they need to, I, I had a pastor tell me, one people need, people need to know that they're, they're bad and they're going to hell. I'm like, my experience is most people know they're pretty bad. And they're pretty scared of hell. They need to know there's a loving God who loves them in spite of it and can help them be better. That's what they need. That's what they need. So the only sins that condemn is so it's, it's forgiveness is there, but we refuse to pick it up and embrace it. Why? Because like, oh, I got this. I'm too good. I don't need it. I don't know if I believe in that. And so he's like, the Holy Spirit wants to convince us that Jesus is real and that we need him. That's what it means to be convinced concerning sin. He goes on in verse 10. And then about righteousness, which is so fascinating to me, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. What's interesting about this righteousness is it doesn't say he wants to convict us of unrighteousness. He wants to convince us that righteousness is the best way. Taking care of one another, being right with God. We've talked, remember our righteousness and justice series is being right with God by being right with one another about righteousness. And so I think there's just probably a couple of us that need to hear this, that the wagging finger of guilt and shame that wagging finger in the face of the world is the finger of religion and humanity, not the finger of God. This push you down, oppress you, make you feel like scum, that is not of God. It's religion, maybe. It's definitely humankind. It's the world. It's not God. The world is supposed to act like they don't know Jesus if they don't know Jesus. Like some of us are like, oh, I can't believe it. They, they do this and they do that and their marriage is a train wreck and he's always drinking and he's da 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 I'm like, well, does he know Jesus? No. I'm like, well, what do you expect? I'm like, we know Jesus and we act like that. <laughs> Think about it. We're in Christ and we still have this, but, but he's trying to convince us of righteousness that there is a better way. This is, this is so, I'm so glad that we're celebrating Easter in a couple of weeks because this verse is what Easter's all about. But this is so mind-blowing to me when you think about the depth of this. Might be a good one to chew on this week, but 2 Corinthians, or is it 1 Corinthians? 2 Corinthians chapter five, it says this about Jesus. It says, God made him, and this him is Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Christ, through faith in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. Do you realize how dumb that is? We're sin and Jesus is perfect. And Jesus is like, I'll go be sin so they can be perfect. 
Even though we're not perfect, that's the lens that God uses through because of what Jesus did. That's how big and how wide his love and his grace is that he chose to forego perfection to be our mess so that in our mess we could experience the fullness of what he has. Sign me up. How is this not the most compelling story in the world? Let, let's, let's just make sure we get the best story right. And so this whole idea of righteousness and then, and then judgment. Here's what's really fascinating about judgment. And we'll move on because we got to kind of wrap this up. About judgment because he wants to tell everybody how much they stink. Nope, that's not what John says concerning judgment because the prince of this world now stands judged. Interesting, he doesn't even bring humans into this equation. God's not interested in judging humans. Why? What do you mean he's not interested? What do you, we're not gonna be judged? No, because the one who was perfect became sin for us so we could experience righteousness. He's only gonna judge the one who's trying to bring us back down, the anti-coach, Satan, the enemy of your soul. So he's the one that's condemned. He's the one that's judged. Not that we won't be judged by our actions. The Bible's clear about that. But, but when, G, when God looks at us, he sees us through the lens of what Jesus did. It's why he took it on. It's unbelievable. So what am I saying? The Holy Spirit is the best coach in the world. And so the conviction of the Holy Spirit is essentially, in, in essence, to be coached by the Holy Spirit. And I think so many of us are like, we're afraid of what God would say. I don't want to open up the Bible because I'm going to feel bad. And I don't. What if you've been missing out on the greatest coaching and you've missed out on the opportunity to be the best version of yourself because you believed some lie of actually about the accuser of your soul? It's like, well, God hates you. And he, no, 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 no. That's, that's who the, the condemned, judged one is the one who talks that way. It's, 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 it's Satan. God's role, the Holy Spirit's role in my journey is not to make me wallow in how bad I am. Not, uh, think about a good coach. No good coach would make you feel obese, make you feel lazy, tell, rub your bad eating habits and your inactivity and your poor athleticism in your face. No, they would meet you where you're at. They would point you to your full potential and they would say, let's get better. Let's, I don't know, say 1% at a time. And that's what Coach Eric's doing with us and that's what Jesus does with us through the Holy Spirit. He's the best coach, the best teacher in the world. He has no he has no interest in condemning you. Again, if he wanted to, he would have already done it. You'd be gone by now. You know what his interest is? He wants to save you. He wants you to help you. And he wants you to experience his full life here on earth. In fact, it's, uh, Jesus said it this way. He said the, the, in John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what the thief of your soul, the, the enemy of your soul is up to. But I have come, Jesus said, that you may have life and have it to the fullest measure. The Holy Spirit's job is just to convince you you're missing out on the fullest measure. And sometimes the fullest measure is harder. Sometimes forgiveness and generosity and selflessness is harder. But guess what? That doesn't mean it's not healthier and it doesn't mean it's not better and it doesn't mean you won't experience the fullness of who you were meant to be in it. So many of us, I wonder how much our life and our journey would change if we would just embrace the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I have to and I have to tell you one last thing as we close and then we, we will close. One of the most simple but profound things that one of my pastors or mentors, I don't even remember who said it, helped me, is that there are two things happening in us most of the time. One of them is the conviction of the Holy Spirit, but the other one is the condemnation of the enemy. It's the enemy of our soul. He is trying to make you feel like you shouldn't even go to that. Why would you even think about going to that gym? Have you looked in a mirror? Look at your eating habits. No more donuts for you. Don't even waste your time. You'll never be the CrossFit champ. You'll never be da-da-da-da-da. That's condemnation. And both of those things most often are happening at, at the same time. And I want to help you with something that helped me, what, that we have to decipher the difference between condemnation and conviction. And it's really, really simple. Condemnation is always a very general, broad, oppressive, you are statement or feeling. 
you are lazy. You are a bad person. You are terrible. It is, you are unworthy. You are guilty. It's this you are, and you're just all around. It's this general you are weighty thing. But the conviction of the Holy Spirit is always very specific. It's like when the Holy Spirit puts his finger on just one very, very simple thing in a life. Condemnation is, you're terrible at squats. Get out of the gym. You'll never be in shape. Conviction is, hey, you need to have your knees out a little bit more so you don't hurt yourself. And, the, and anytime the Holy Spirit's trying to convince you, it'll always be very specific and it will be loving. It might be lovingly true, but it'll be loving. Hey, there's more in you. You can do better. You could be more. You don't have to talk. You don't have to respond to your husband that way. Hey, you could use a nicer tone. Hey, you know what? When you gossip, it actually hurts everybody. Uh, and, and you're not really helping the environment at work. The, when you look at that, it ruins your marriage. When you watch that on TV, it doesn't help your intimacy with your wife. When you drink too much of this, you become somebody nobody likes. And it's not about judgment. It's about, hey, I'm convincing you there's a better way. There's a better way. There's a better way. Hey, 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 hey. The Holy Spirit is the hey voice going, hey, there's more. Hey. There's better. How do I know that God doesn't want to condemn us? Because Jesus said it. Again, I wanted to put plenty of scripture in here so you could see this. John 3, 17, right after probably the most popular verse in the entire Bible says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God's goal is not to condemn you. It's to save you through salvation. Then to sanctify you. And that process will be lifelong and ongoing. And how will he do it? Through the regular coaching or convincing or conviction of the Holy Spirit. And it will be everything on the table if you allow him to be. It'll be your actions, your habits. It'll be your past. It'll be the way you think. It'll be your definitions of success and leadership and power and money and how you think about sex and how you think about relationships and how you think about joy and what brings true peace. And he, it's all on the table and he will constantly be doing it. It's like a radio station that if you tune it in, he's just always got something to say. And it's beautiful and it's rich and it's awesome and there's nothing like it. And it'll never be condemning. And you will experience the sanctification. You will experience the growth. And so I close with this thought. And we're going to pray. I, I'm convinced there's one thing that keeps us from this. It all can be boiled down to one thing. And, and I know you can try to shoot holes in it, but I could probably have. Why wouldn't we embrace the conviction of the Holy Spirit? Why wouldn't we want the coaching? Pride. Pride. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Nobody can offer me a better way. I think what I'm doing is working just fine. Thank you very much. If I need your advice, I'll ask. My way is best. I don't need help. I'm not as bad as so-and-so, so-and-so. It's usually the same thing that keeps us from unbelief. Why do I need a Savior? <laughs> Look at me. It's working so far. That's our attitude. Pride. Unbelief, pride, our pride, our inability to go, I'm broken, I'm hurting, I want to do better, and I want the creator of the universe who's the most loving force in the universe to coach me to the best way. It's our pride that will keep that from us. And so, my invitation as we pray today is, is there some pride we need to let down? And is there a frequency we need to tune into? When was the last time you prayed and go, Holy Spirit, God, this week, I want to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. I want, I, want to, I want to embrace your conviction. Every thought, every tone, every word, every interaction, every behavior. I want, I want it to be on the, 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 the table for discussion to go, man, am I maximizing? Am I maximizing? Again, God's goal, the Holy Spirit's goal in your life is not to help you to have no fun. It's to actually help you to maximize life here on earth so that his kingdom can come and his will can be done in your life and on earth as it is in heaven. And he wants you to partner with him on that. And so that's why I do my best to embrace the conviction of the Holy Spirit.
Some of you, I said it earlier, maybe you need to build up a little bit more of a truth reservoir. It, it benefit you to spend some time in your Bible and go, I need to put some truth in so when he wants to remind me or he wants to convince me, I have to have something to pull from. I'm so grateful that I have that. And one of the, one of the greatest things the Holy Spirit does in my life is he re- helps me remember, he reminds me of things I've forgotten. He's so good at that. And so as we pray, will you embrace the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life? Will you say, Coach Jesus, I'm in. Like, coach me, convince me. I want to hear your voice. I promise he will speak. You'll have these thoughts, you'll have these feelings. You'll just know. Why? Because if you already have the Spirit of God in you, it will line up. Now, if you've never heard this and you've never even given your life to Jesus, you've maybe been a part of a church or you've heard religion, you're like, I don't have a relationship, I don't have him. The Bible says if you call in the name of Jesus, you'll be saved. And so as I pray for all of us, you can just say, Jesus, I wanna start this journey. I wanna start at salvation today. If you do, I would love for you to text uh, uh, Cape Yes uh, to 94,000 just so I can send you some videos and resource, a video for myself and some resources. And we wanna journey with you. But for the rest of us, think about the kind of week you'll have if you know that Coach God, Coach Holy Spirit, is regularly readily ready to convince you every single thing you do this week. Not in an annoying way, but a let's get 1% better. If you ask for it and you embrace it, I promise you'll see it. And you will be amazed at how you start to see the transformation happen in your life. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. God, I pray for every single person here. I pray that that we would, first of all, be able to decipher the difference between condemnation and conviction. Father, I pray that, that we would embrace the conviction of the Holy Spirit. God, for some of us, you would take us back to your word, that you would make sense of the Bible, that we would build a reservoir uh, of truth to pull from. Um, and God, that we would be listening for the, for the convincing of the Holy Spirit for a better way to remind us and convince us of what's true, whether it be our behavior, our lifestyle, our interactions, our tone, the way we spend our time, the way we spend our money, what we find entertaining, what we laugh at, what we care about. Holy Spirit, I pray that for every single person that would open their heart to you today, that we would embrace your voice in our life, that you would sanctify us, you would purify us, that you would convince us throughout each day this week of the best way according to your truth and your word. God, I thank you that you are never done with us. I thank you that you are so patient with us. And ultimately, God, I thank you for that verse we just read in Corinthians, that, that Jesus, who was perfect, became sin for us so that we could experience and be the righteousness of God through Jesus. And if there's anybody here who has never made that journey from death to life, from sin to righteousness, right now, just in your heart, say, Jesus, I want that. Come into my life. I submit to you. I give you my heart. And God, if for anybody that that is doing that, God, I pray that you would transform their life and they would experience the newness and the salvation that you have for them, the joy of new life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, need somebody to talk to, we have an amazing team in our prayer room. Otherwise, we'll see you guys next week for CrossFit week four. Good luck with those uh, squat jumps.